welcome to Let's Get Weirding. I'm Bo North. And I'm Megan Sunday. And on this show, we're discussing Frank Herbert's Dune series, chapter by chapter. This episode, we're jumping into the book with the discussion on chapter one. And we're honored to have our very first guest. She is one of XOXO Horror's most influential female horror film critics. And you might know her from the Kill by Kill podcast, The Spool, and GinaRadcliffe.com. It's our friend Gina Radcliffe. Hello! Thank you for having me here. What an honor. (laughs) We're so glad you could join us. (laughs) This is exciting. So, yeah, episode one, you are here for the beginning. I'm here. I I, I, I like to think that I was actually, you know, here at the inception because I think that our... uh, (laughs) Our discussions on Twitter every time another <laughs> casting announcement is made. Uh, I think that I feel like that sort of kind of spawned this. Yeah, yeah. It, it's been happening for a while. It's been coming for a while. Mm-hmm. We just finally were just like, okay, we we should just do it. Yeah. We just need to do it. <laughs> it was time. We talk about it all the time. It just needs to happen. The the need was there, and you reached up with your little hands and just snatched it. And that's a wonderful <laughs> yeah. thing. It's supply and demand. It, it really is basic economics so gina what was your first experience with dune like how did you come to the books and or movies oh definitely the the movie first uh it's one I of those had a feeling you were gonna say that. <laughs> i have a feeling i have a feeling a lot of your guests are gonna say that um yeah. particularly those like within like the 35 to 40s mm-hmm. age range but sure. it was one of those movies that I, I inexplicably watched a lot on cable, it, it, even though it's uh, about 17 hours long, um, <laughs> where if you watch the director's cut, literally about the first 25 minutes is, is exposition. It's with, with drawings. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's <laughs> remarkable. It's, it's Virginia Madsen just staring at the camera mm-hmm. and talking and pictures, little drawings of, of everything leading up to that point, which is about 10,000 years of history. <laughs> but every time it came on, I was like, oh, Dune's on. I'm going to sit down and watch this for the next three hours of my life. <laughs> and then after a while, I was like, well, maybe I should try reading the book at some point. So I, I tried reading the book. <laughs> uh, and then I tried it again a couple more years, a couple years later. And again, to put this in time frame, I was probably uh mid-teens when i first tried to read it and Mm. it's like well i'm not understanding this (laughs) (laughs) and then uh i tried again as a young adult it's like nope still not there yet (laughs) um and then i tried again a few years later i was like all right i think i'm i'm getting this now i mean it's no less of a dense novel than it was you know the first time around but I think mm. that you know, you know, the patience was there more than than it might have been when I was you know fifteen or sixteen, when I was used to books being you know a tight one hundred fifty pages or so. <laughs> and then you've got this doorstop of a of a book. I mean, I think the longest book I'd ever read before that was was it, mm. um, which for a that's lot a of chunker. yeah, that is a chunker. That's a that's a murder weapon in and of itself, which is ironic because a lot of people get murdered in that book. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I'm more. I mean, if you're gonna you know if we're gonna do like you know pub quizzes, I would do a lot better on the movie than the books. But mm-hmm. but yeah, so it, it it all started really with the movies first. That's that's 
a really big jumping off point. I mean, I know that was for me. Uh, it was the same kind of deal. So it's it sticks in your mind. And you, it was you also it was also more. it was also my first David Lynch movie, which is which is hilarious uh, yeah. because he he has never made another movie like that at at all. It's it's sort of like like the three weirdest David Lynch movies you could use as a starting point for David Lynch movies is The Elephant Man, The Straight Story, and Dune because they are <laughs> as as different as they are from each other. Mm-hmm. They're they're not like any of David Lynch's other movies. I mean, as 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 weird as this movie gets, it's still more linear than than most of his other movies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can follow it better than I can follow, say, like Lost Highway. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah, you you, yeah. you 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 can't. Anybody that says they understand Lost Highway is 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 a liar. They're a lying. <laughs> They're lying to you. They're yeah. a lying liar. There's no understanding Lost Highway. It's just a lot of <laughs> cool imagery and good music and sexy people with incredibly good hair. Yeah. I've, you know, you hear the quotes on this on the soundtrack, and it's like I've seen this movie, and I still don't know what these quotes are. <laughs> It's like, it's like what, part, what part was this in? I don't remember this. <laughs> I think for Dune, though, for the movie especially, it's like for people our age, in our age group, sort of, I'll say, that like saw the movie as a kid, like your mind is a sponge and it's just soaking all of this, like, look at this these fantastical worlds up, you know. Uh, but reading the book, like going back and rereading the book as I'm doing now, like, it reads very young adult, which is weird because it took me, uh, it also took me a long time to get through the book, you know, a lot of stop, stopping and starting. And now, like, reading the first couple chapters, it reads very, like, mm-hmm. YA. Well, it's also interesting to note that that uh, despite the character being played by Kyle MacLachlan, mm-hmm. that, that Paul Atreides is only supposed to be 15, which is, which yeah. is, you know, <laughs> I, I was like running Kyle out like, MacLachlan. oh! Yeah, 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 like Kyle MacLachlan. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, I was reading like, oh yeah, he's supposed to be a kid. That's right. And so's and so's uh, and so's Fade. They're 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 teenagers. They're they're wee little boys. Yes, mm-hmm. they're young. They're young ones. And and Sting was like forty, maybe when he played this character. <laughs> I mean, I a, an extremely well preserved forty, no doubt, but <laughs> definitely not a teenager. I think he's been forty right. for about forty years. Yeah, well, it's, it's not all that tantric sex he talked about, like, years ago. It's either that, or he might possibly be a vampire. It's the magic of Sting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, so, just glad, I'm just glad this episode is is preparing for the inevitable, like, just segues and, and tangents and all. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, we've already done that. We On our introductory episode, I feel like I got off on quite a few tangents and I, I have to stop myself sometimes because I can end up going down some real rabbit holes. Yeah, I think at one point we talk about the dark, dark tower for just about like five minutes. Well, it's me, so I'm going to talk about the well, dark yeah. tower every oh, time. I don't, that that, I don't think that that's an, I don't think that that's an unreasonable connection to make though. I mean, it's, it's all very elaborate world building and, and, you know, mm-hmm. people with, you know, otherworldly abilities. I don't I don't think that's an unreasonable jump to, to you know, that's it, not a weird segue. It's it's not at all like talking about, say, uh, uh, the Lost Highway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going to make those connections where we see them. Uh, yeah, don't, just don't get me started talking uh, on 
Dark Tower or Stephen King in general because it'll we'll be here all night. And I know for Megan is probably the same. It is, yes. I'm already thinking if they I'm like, ooh, what about no, Megan, stop, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is our new conspiracy theory, is that the Dark Tower and Dune are somehow related? No. <laughs> I'm sure there's a reference somewhere in the Dark Tower. There's somebody probably says something about the spice or or a sandworm. Some yeah. There's there has yeah. to be something. That there's a reference to literally everything in the Dark Tower series. <laughs> yeah. Every every human being, every object that exists in this in this world, there's a reference mm. to it in the Dark Tower series. Well, I just heard a, a Dune reference in a Mystery Science Theater short, so I mean it's out there. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> uh Junior Rodeo Daredevils. Oh, <gasps> I love that one. <laughs> the very beginning when he's trying to put the they're trying to tie the tin can to the horse one of the boys puts his hand in the tin can and i think it's joel goes it's the gom jabbar <laughs> <laughs> i think that is a actually a perfect launching point to get into <laughs> talking about the book about chapter one gina you read chapter one with us what did you think what are your thoughts how are you feeling are you okay young human <laughs> <laughs> I, I with the with the whole Gamjabar thing, I, I have to admit, and again, going a little bit off uh, off course, I, I couldn't help but think of the scene in Flash Gordon when uh, mm. he, he had to. That this this endurance test thing is very much a a, a trope. It's a trope in mm -hmm. in science fiction and and fantasy movies where you have to test your bravery by sticking your hand in something and. You know, maybe you'll be all right, or maybe some sort of horrendously poisonous thing is in there, and if you move a <laughs> fraction of an inch, it's going to pierce your skin and immediately kill you. Um, I mean, it is certainly it's again a lot clearer than that I recall it being. Maybe I've just gotten slightly more smarter in my old age. <laughs> I I tend to disagree with that, but. I, I was just reading it and I'm like, oh, this isn't as hard to understand as I recalled it being. <laughs> it's just a setup of some of these characters and the, this, mm. you know, special boy who's being tested for his specialness and, and you know, and, and amazingly for a book written in the 1960s? Is mm -hmm. that, is that, uh, the, you know, his, his mother has failed because she has not given birth to a girl child, which is, which is a, an interesting, uh, it's an interesting concept that uh, that the that they really want they they really want you to have girls and not boys that boys are not desired. Well, the I think the point of, that was part of their uh, and, and I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. I'm trying to stick with really within this chapter, but you know there are always reasons for what they do, and let's just say like Jessica's sort of little rebellion and having a boy instead of a girl, like it didn't serve their greater purpose and that it, it actually just moved events up one generation. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. But I'm also thinking in terms of if you're reading this for the first time, mm -hmm. that, it, that it might be interesting to see a, a, you know, a not particularly current book in which the, it seems as though girls are, are a more desired, uh, uh, they're more desired in this particular setting than boys are. That that would mm. be, that, that that was to kind of set it apart from other books written in the same era. They certainly would be to the Bene Gesserit, because that just increases their numbers, I, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so the book starts, as all of the chapters will start, with an epigraph <laughs> from the Princess Arulin, 
who has written many, 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 many books. Yes. So all, many books. all about, well, someone at this point that we, I mean, it tells you, I shouldn't act coy about this. They're about Paul, but she is calling him Moadib. We do not know the reasons for that yet, but. Or why she had so much time to write so many freaking yeah, books. She had so much time. <laughs> Right. She's so like the she's time. like the she's like the Chuck Tingle of this universe. <laughs> yeah, she might be. <laughs> you might not be far off with that. <laughs> um, I I do kind of like, and I made it. I put it in my notes that I, I like that the opening paragraphs, the opening section of this book is so focused on the female characters. I mean, that is a really kind of important balance. I feel like they're trying to strike in this in this universe is that you know the female characters have weight and agency and agendas mm -hmm. and they're not just set set dressing yeah and it really throws you in immediately there's not you know you don't know who any of these characters are uh but i feel like it does a really good job of providing enough context that you know that paul is a teenager you know that jessica is his mother and uh an old woman has appeared at their door and they're whispering an old about Paul while uh, well, he's pretending to be asleep. She's just... probably 40. <laughs> I was thinking that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what, you know, is it old by his perception? Because, yeah, that's the case. She probably is in her 40s because <laughs> teenagers are, are remarkably not good at estimating people's ages. Uh -huh. So <laughs> I'm just like picturing him laying there the whole time, with, like his one eye like open, just like, you know, thinking he, that he's being very subtle. And, and <laughs> you know, it's like, we see you sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I don't want to use too much of you know prequels as a jumping off point but based on that i think jessica is maybe like 38 mm. so I, i'm sure he's amazed that his mom is you know doing so well yeah <laughs> she's always she's painted in very soft tones in the beginning like mm. her contralto voice and the way she sweeps into rooms and things like that she's very she's like portrayed very soft in the beginning and i know that we'll see that change no, she's just very. She's portrayed as very motherly, which is which is what what she is at this point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's how I mean. It's and it's how Paul sees her. You know, that's that's his mother. Like she does mother things, and he knows that that she was. You know, she's a Benny Gesserit. He knows that she's been training him in Benny Gesserit ways. But at the end of the day, that's it's his mom. Like, yeah, that's my mom. Don't talk about my mom. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's important to note also that you know he is laying in bed, sleeping, waking up and remembering his dreams. And they say like, he always remembered the dreams that were predictions. So right off the bat, we're knowing that Paul is quite different from your average teenager. He, you know, has been trained by his mother all this, all these years since he was a child. And, you know, he, he's already has like a very adult awareness about him but still like a, a very childlike naivete well i think it, it just, if we wanted to do just a really quick basic happens in this mm -hmm. chapter just in case anyone yeah. doesn't know uh so we're introduced yeah. to, to paul uh we find out that he lives on the planet caladan but that his family is preparing to move to arrakis uh which you know he keeps thinking to himself arrakis dune desert planet uh, and as we said, an old crone shows up at the door and is meeting with his mother and they watch Paul sleep and whisper things that he doesn't quite understand, like Kwisat Chatterak and Gamjabar. 
And then the next morning, his mother wakes him up and says, you have to come and meet with the Reverend Mother because she is waiting for you. And he's not sure what's going to happen or why, you know, she talks to his mother like she's, I believe he calls her a serving wench. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she points out that his mom used to be her serving wench. So you know, stop sassing me and please get in here. <laughs> I'm going to say so. Eat, eat that, you little turd. Yeah. <laughs> there's a little. There's imagine, a little if that, uh, imagine if that actually been a lie in the book. <laughs> I mean, there's there's enough. Like, there's a couple of times where she basically is like, why don't you shut up? Like, <laughs> <laughs> She's speaking for the audience in yeah. moments, I think. <laughs> it's like, but what about this? Nope. Mm-mm. Shh. Yeah, I mean, one thing that uh, I'm sure you know there'll be a lot of comparing the 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 book to the movie, which you know they're so intertwined at this point. I, that's why I wonder. I do actually wonder how well the the new movie is going to do. I did. Either of you see the the Sci-Fi Channel uh, reboot of it some years ago? I I did yes. not. You did. Yeah, we yeah. we we did. We're we're pretty. I would say we're pretty knowledgeable in the miniseries. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, that one. <laughs> passed me right by i was looking i was looking at the like the character pages on wikipedia and i was like oh right there was another movie wasn't there but it's, it's interesting that the kyle mclaughlin's character portrayal of paul he he doesn't have the attitude that he that he does in the book at least in the mm. first chapter he, he comes off as very much a kind of you know bit of a know-it-all because he's 15 so i mean <laughs> yeah that kind of that's that's par for the course where you know kyle mclaughlin just he he, he just seems like a, a little puppy he's just <laughs> he's, he's just so kind of confused and 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 you know just a little you know he doesn't really know what to do with himself he doesn't come off as as kind of cocky and too smart for his own good the way the way he at least he initially does when when his character is introduced yeah, and so many of his reactions are so 15. And a 15-year-old who has been raised in a position of a good deal of privilege. Like, there's a scene when they're doing the, the test where, you know, she, she tells him what the Gamjabar is and says that it kills only animals. And he says, are, are you calling me an animal? Like, you suggest, you dare suggest a Duke's <laughs> son is an animal? It's like, okay, Paul, calm down. Like, <laughs> there's and a whole like, point to like, this. It, it, yeah, and it's like no. I mean, she's suggesting that you might not be. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's yeah. a backhand. It's a backhanded compliment, you little turd. <laughs> okay, for the rest of this episode, Paul will be known as you little turd. <laughs> no, I I know what you're saying. Like Kyle's portrayal of Paul is very like he's a he's a good kid, mm-hmm. and I think. Paul probably is basically a good kid to begin with, but he, I don't know there. We are already getting some foreshadowing about Paul's like larger role in the series and larger like destiny, I suppose Um, in from jump street from chapter one, like there are things that they drop in this chapter that is like, you know, Paul felt that he had been inflicted with terrible purpose, which kind of went back to what we were talking about free will like there is so much in this book that is like about free will versus destiny and and whether paul is actually like a good character so we're kind of getting like establishing from like the very first chapter like don't particularly trust anything that you see Mm -hmm. here like don't 
don't have heroes. Don't put anyone on a pedestal. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's a bold uh, it's a bold move to make with your you know setting up your your world building here is you know these characters you might not be able to trust what these characters are going to do or say or you know how they're going to act in a certain way. Yeah, and from the the like very beginning of the very end of the chapter, you know, Paul is able to tell when someone is telling the truth and the Reverend mother is telling him about the Betty Jesuit's plans. And he realizes that she believes what she's saying, but that doesn't mean that it's true. And we don't really get, you know, what that means at that point, but Mm -hmm. he just, it's his starting to understand that, you know, here are these people in positions of power who have come in and, you know, his mother is curtsying to this woman and he's trying to deal with, where her place is in the hierarchy and yet he can tell that there's still something that maybe he knows that she doesn't. That's an interesting thing that you point out that, that, that um, she believes what she's saying. You might not actually be true. That's a, that's a, uh, I, I, that's, that's, that's a very interesting uh, uh, concept than in the whole idea of, you know, people who, who tend to be habitual liars and, uh, you know, are applying it to our our, our our current, you know, the, the current world in which we exist in is is it is is it a lie when the person who's saying it believes it to be true, and it's it's just yeah I mean that's that's interesting that you pointed that out I think that's you know very uh, gives you a lot to think about. This chapter uh, really brings in a lot of the sort of I would say like the greatest hits of of things that you know from the Dune universe like right off the bat mm. like we get the litany against fear which yep. is very important, uh, printed, I think, on many a wall decal. <laughs> many a tattoo. Uh, um, I was thinking of doing a cross-stitch sampler of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they just throw out Butlerian Jihad and Orange Catholic Bible. Like You're supposed to go, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Like the Orange Orange Catholic Bible, I'm like, man, yeah. Okay. <laughs> But you, you still, you get, you can tell that these are things, you know, that's, that's one nice thing of the world building is that it's not just sort of naming stuff. You know, I feel like sometimes I, you know, I can't think of an example, but in some sci-fi and fantasy, they're just sort of saying things and you can't, you don't feel like the characters are believing it. It doesn't seem like something. Uh, mm. I feel like the context of both of those and the fact, you know, there's a quote from it and there's, they're discussing it in the context of a whole history that even if you don't know what they're talking about, it's very like, okay, I'm not sure what that is, but this is clearly an, clearly an important thing in this world. I, I think the criticism I've heard sometimes of, of like a movie is that when a character walks in, it's like they, they were just invented. Yeah. Like you don't get the, you don't get the <laughs> yeah. idea that this character exists outside of, now I am in the living room. I've entered the scene. Yeah. And I think that that can happen sometimes in a lot of uh, speculative fiction is that they're just like, I don't mm-hmm. know, the, you know, the, the, the elf people, I can't come up with something. <laughs> uh, and you're just going, well, okay, but is that a real thing? Or is everyone just saying elves because they think they're supposed to? Well, this is a, this is a book that like a lot of, obviously a lot of books that depend on world building where you know, a lot of the, a lot of the text is given over to exposition. And, and, 
I think that's one of the things that where this series loses a lot of people. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of exposition in this series, a lot of exposition. And, and most of it is useful. Probably some of it is not, but, 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 you know, it's, you know, he has to take his time explaining, you know, the history of the planet and the, and the, all the, the genealogy and what this means and what that means. And, you know what the role that 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 Paul is you know being groomed to take over what it what it means to be Maud Deeb. It's just it's it's all exposition. But you mm-hmm. you're not gonna it's it you might as well be dropped in the middle of the woods without a map if you don't have all that to begin with. Yeah, I feel like especially with this series, which is so intricate and so expansive, that if you don't have all of those you know, people thinking things all the time and like the Reverend Mother thinking about all the breeding programs and stuff. Like, you're not going to know that. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to get the importance of it. He, he does it well, though. I mean, some, a lot of ex- expository dialogue and, 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 and text is very clumsy. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, and again, to, to go back to Stephen King again, uh, he does a lot of the you know, Herbert and Stephen King both do the same thing, which is just having these characters you know, think the exposition, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the, like you know they'll have a quiet moment of reflection where they they think about something that the audience has to know about. So mm-hmm. they're not they're not going to bring it up in conversation with someone because that sounds that sounds awkward and forced. It's clunky, yeah. right? So they'll 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 just think about it. Now, I mean, I don't know how often the average person spends a lot of time thinking about like where they came from <laughs> or the, the history of the town that they happen to be in. But but it works, you know, in, in text it works better than than have again having two characters kind of go back and forth. You know, well, remember the time fifteen years ago when the mayor. <laughs> Just completely just pulling an example when the mayor went to that party and then he fell into the into the pool and everybody's like it's like no nobody talks like that but you may it may occur to you to think you know you know man remember that time when the mayor fell into the pool that was weird and then you know there now yeah. the audience has it you know something this is a you know a big event that that is relevant to this plot I thought you were going to say, how often are people just walking around talking about the Butlerian Jihad? Like, hey, <laughs> you don't know. Remember that? Remember when we rebelled against machines? That was weird, right? Oh, my life. <laughs> you know how often I declare a Butlerian Jihad when something goes wrong with like my phone? <laughs> this, this is forbidden. You, you know, you, you laugh, this. but I mean, but that litany of fear, that that's some good shit when you have to like go up on stage or I, I have actually said it to myself like before no, I have to. having to I go have in front to. of an audience. It's it really works. It's some mm-hmm. sort of, you know, chill, nerdy, you know, meditative thing to put yourself into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm not saying I've never used it. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely have. Because, yeah, it's a sort of a nice like, I could say this. I am saying words, and okay, I didn't have to think about it. I've just said it. All right. So Paul does the test. Uh, with I, I don't. Does the box itself have? Um... Yeah, I think because uh, she says actually after the test happens, should we like talk a little bit about what the test is? I mean, everybody kind of knows it, but those some somebody out there might not. But she does say like at some point that there's people that would give a fortune to know the secrets of the box. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe that it is actually the box that does it. Okay. And yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, well, I was making sure that the box itself didn't have a name because I think sometimes it gets sort of conflated with the Gamjabar, but it's the box. Right. Uh, she yeah. basically Paul gets called in to meet with the Reverend Mother, uh, who is sort of a high high up Benny Jesuit. I don't know. She's not the highest. She serves the em- she, she serves the emperor, mm-hmm. which is a very big deal. Yeah. And basically she has him put his hand inside of a box and then she puts a poison needle to his neck and says that if you take your hand out of the box, I'll kill you. Yeah. And the box starts to make his hand feel an intense pain, like it's burning to the point where he starts to think that when he takes his arm out, he will no longer have a hand. Uh, and she, you know, it says you, you leave your hand in there until you tell you to take it out or else... I'll kill you with this poison. And then he he does he goes he gets through it. He does the litany against fear. Uh apparently, of course, he does it for longer than anyone ever has, because he's Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> right. And, and so, he's special. He's so special. He's our snowflake. <laughs> and so we learn that that's what most of the like the Benny Jesuit all have to go through that. There is a drug that the Reverend Mother begins to talk about at the end that is a she calls it the truth sayer drug, which is something that is taken to improve someone's ability to detect when someone is lying. And she says that, you know, when someone takes the drug, it's very dangerous, but it helps that they're, it helps the person look backwards through their memory. Uh, mm-hmm. But they can only see that the issue is that the Benny Jesuit used this and they're all women and they can then therefore only see what she calls like the feminine avenues, like feminine memories. And they have a prophecy that a man will come one day and be able to use this drug and see both the feminine and the masculine sides of these these avenues. And that she tells him that many men have tried the drug, so many, but none has succeeded. And Paul asks, they tried and failed, all of them, and oh no, she shook her head, they tried and died. Chilling. It's heavy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we, I, I love that that's the ending, but I do kind of wish we got a little more reaction after that of just what? <laughs> Paul being like, what the fuck? <laughs> you want just, me to take this drug? There is a very small moment that I've always liked where Jessica is pretty, when we get a little bit of her insight, she's a little maternal where mm. she gets called in after he has successfully passed the test. And when she walks in, she, she doesn't know what the result has been. She just gets called in. She's ready to do battle. Yeah. And so she comes in and sees that he is alive and has passed it. And basically is just like, my son is still alive, so I can still be alive. Yeah. And there are definitely points later on where she's a little more like, oh, this kid. <laughs> so I, I, like these, I like these moments where she's just like, okay, my kid. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she she um oh man Jessica also she picks out his clothes some... which is the funniest like yeah you, you <laughs> might a be nice touch you might be this big important person wear this jacket <laughs> important I mean, yeah, that's, that's like a, wear this that's coat. an earth that's an that's an earth mom thing i mean yeah. you know that's, yeah. that's a that's just a universal <laughs> mom thing it's like i want you to look your best yeah. You're not picking out your clothes today. Mm-mm. But you, you couldn't have time to get a haircut. A... Yeah. <laughs> but like everything has a greater purpose. Like she picks out a very like a specific jacket because mm-hmm. it's it's semi formal. So it's like you're meeting an important person, but it's not an official funk. You know. Yeah. It's not an official formal event. And like when he greets her, he gives like 
a certain bow that's like, I'm unsure of your station if you're above me or below me. Mm -hmm. So I'll just give this bow. And, and, you know, she's like, he's already very savvy about some things. But yeah, I I do love that his mom like has to pick out his jacket. (laughs) Very courtly manners. Yeah. Uh, It's 10,000 years in the future and we're still still got courtly manners. We're still worrying about this shit. (laughs) (laughs) So that was chapter one. Gino, what did you think? Uh, I think it's a, like I said, I, I went into it expecting it to, to be kind of my eyes crossing again, like, like the <laughs> first couple times I, I, I tried to read it, but it was, a it's a, you know, it's a fairly, uh, it's, it's, it's coherent. It sets up, uh, some of the lore pretty, pretty well. I mean, I know as you go further in, it gets a little more dense and complicated, oh, yeah. let's, uh, let, let's say, <laughs> but I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a cracking good way to end a chapter i will i will mm. definitely say that um i mean if you're if you're reading it for the first time do you don't be intimidated by people no be intimidated by people telling you how <laughs> how hard and dense it is because it is it's a tough read it's it's you know he uh he spends a lot of time building up this world and, and sometimes it's it's at the expense of plot occasionally but but it all it, it serves a greater good in, in in the end you just have to you know be patient give it time occasionally mm-hmm. put the book down if you feel your eyes are getting tired because that's <laughs> that's normal and possibly you know keep notes and maybe perhaps a spreadsheet so you can uh, <laughs> keep track of who these many 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 characters are because there's a lot <laughs> Oh, there yeah. are. We yeah. haven't even skimmed the surface. No. Yeah, no, we only about... we're, we have three characters in this in this chapter, and it's and there's so much more to come. Yeah, and I think it's gonna like the amount of characters is gonna double in the next chapter. Mm-hmm. So, yep. at least. So I think we can move on now. Last episode, we got a letter, our first letter yeah. from Michael Rader. Thank you, Michael. Already, and Jesus! I know. <laughs> That's I a lot of pressure. I put the call out there. So, uh, he had a request that we he would love to hear our Dreamcast for a Doom movie, and I thought it would be really fun to include you as our first guest in this too. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to run down my list, and I'll name each character. And when I say my pick, then you guys want to jump in and say your pick for that character. And I know, like Megan, you said you had some gaps. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I have some. I have some gaps. Yeah. And I also I, chose. I believe he specified from like all time. So living I, or dead. But yeah. I only went with living. Oh, I'm all over the place. Yeah, my my list is very CW Network. So. <laughs> oh, and I won't so, do this. I just sorry to interrupt, but I will not. Do, I mentioned yeah. this last episode i will not do this every chapter but since we had this introduction and some of the family background we got a little bit of information there is no reference to the duke's first concubine because she's made up for the prequels <laughs> just put right in there not so there. concubine watch is is a go yeah we're zero watching zero this. yeah you're fake <laughs> us us one concubine zero yeah <laughs> um okay so for my duke lado I chose Michael Shannon. Oh. I'm always here for that. Yeah. I, for Duke Leto, I have Richard Armitage. Oh. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) I just, uh. Well, you know how to butter my bread. (laughs) 
I mean, Oscar Isaac is a is a inspired, if if not a little young, I feel yeah. for for, yeah. for the character. So mm-hmm. my pick would actually be Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's no Richard Armitage. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's that's actually a really good choice. I mean, like he's definitely seems very like stately and mm-hmm. ducal because <laughs> i was thinking has... i was thinking of like a young ian mckellen at first and i was like oh, oh well yeah. you know but yeah but ben mendelson already looks like a young ian mckellen so let's, that's let's just true. go with him yeah, that's true uh okay so moving on to lady jessica uh i chose and she might be a little young for this role but i chose tatiana maslani okay because i think she's amazing and yeah. everything she is I that was one of my old school ones. I put Jean Tierney. Oh, because I think she's was fantastic and she's gorgeous, and I think that you know she could really do that. You, ostensibly, mm-hmm. I'm just this beautiful ornament that lives in your court, but mm-hmm. there's a lot yeah. more going on. I actually was thinking of um, Michelle Pfeiffer, Circa Ladyhawk. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Again, again, possibly a little too young, but but still kind of has that uh, that kind of ethereal look yeah. that really really works well for the character. That just filled in mm-hmm. one of my gaps. But <laughs> I do, but I do really like the 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 actresses they did show. I, I'm going to end up saying that a lot that the mm-hmm. that they the actress Rebecca took, Ferguson Rebecca yeah. Ferguson that yeah. that is a very very good choice. Yeah, yeah. I think she'll be fabulous in mm-hmm. that role. Okay, so my pick for Paul is, uh, and I actually like this pick a lot, is uh, the actor Ross Lynch, who played Harvey Kinkle in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, I think, like, I've seen some other stuff with him and some pictures of him where he's a little more scruffy and kind of, uh, you know, he, he's played like a bad boy in something else before, and I think, like, he could really pull it off. And he has a very young look about him. All right, so mine is a little bit of a wild card because you have to go back beyond what you have to think past what this actor is really known for. But my mm-hmm. pick was young Anthony Perkins. Okay. I just, I don't, you know, I think, you know, you got typecast and, but I, you know, if you see there's a movie, I cannot think of what it's called now that he's in with Gary Cooper where he's this like young Quaker. And mm. that's a, a nice dramatic, you know, unsure young man, like finding his place in the world kind of thing. And, that obviously, you know, I think he could have gone a little harder with it as the character got older. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think they really nailed it with uh, Timothy? 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 I think it's Timothy. I think it's Timothy. Timothy, Timothy. Timothy Chalamet? I, I, as soon as I read that, I'm like, oh my god, that's so good. Like, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, you cannot do any better than that. And my, my alternate for that uh, would be um, Ezra Miller. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. They have they they have a very similar look, but mm-hmm. but I feel that that Ezra Miller kind of has he always looks sort of like sinister, <laughs> and, yeah. and I, I perhaps it might be because I've only seen him play kind of bad characters so mm. it, i may be sort of biased in that regard but but he would be my my still be my secondary pick that's a good one yeah no that is good 
So is everyone good with moving into the Harkonnens now? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. So my Baron, my pick for the Baron would be, uh, I really had to think about this one. I really had to search myself, but I decided on Danny Houston. Oh, oh that's a good picture. one. That's yeah. a good oh, one. Oh, no, that's complicated in my brain now. I know. I know. That, that's <laughs> good. I Yeah, I, yeah, that's a good one. Mm. Why, thank you. Sorry, Megan. <laughs> I, I, I have an answer, but I don't think it's as good as yours. Yeah, um, no. I, um... I, I'm okay with Stellan Skarsgård, uh, and I appreciate that mm. they that they felt that they didn't have to make him a fat man, even yeah. though that's, yeah. that's what everybody pictures, because, mm -hmm. again, because of the original movie. But I can't get the image of him as a large man out of, out of my mind, mm -hmm. so I have to go with Vincent D'Onofrio. <gasps> Me too! I Yay! thought about it! I, <laughs> I really, really thought about it, and I was like, you know... I don't want to go for the obvious choice. Well, I was sort of I guess he, he is obvious. He he is obviously a, a large, sinister man, he, isn't he? But yeah. he would be so good. He yeah. would be so good in that role. And like, I was envisioning I'm, I'm, it I'm, as sort of him now, but like sort of wardrobe like the cell. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what yes. I was thinking of. And being like super like hammy and over the top and like very melodramatic. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're you're exactly on the same page as it. me. Yeah. He could do it. Yeah. If we can't no get him doubt. to play the judge, <laughs> we'll get him to play someone. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> okay. So, my pick for Beast Raban uh, is the actor Zach McGowan, who some of you might know from uh, Black Sails or from The 100 or. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., he's been in a ton of stuff. He's just this very large, intimidating-looking okay. guy. He has a very brutal look to him. I know him from S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, I actually like, I actually like the actor a lot, but um, he does, like, he looks like a brutal person. Yeah. What a terrible thing to say about a person based on how they I, look. I'm sorry. We just said about Vincent D'Onofrio that, that <laughs> yeah. you know, he's really good. He's really good at playing evil fat men. <laughs> I feel terrible, but you know, I think he would I, I really do think like he's so good at playing these like complicated villain well, his character on the one hundred is a very complicated character, but he's really good at playing these like sort of hench villain types that I feel like he'd be great in that role. But I mean, obviously Dave Batista is going to be amazing. Yeah. I, okay. Um, so go with me on this for a minute. Okay. <laughs> right. We're on this journey with you. Tom Hardy. Just, just, just. Yeah. 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 Have you ever seen, have you ever seen the movie Bronson? Yeah. 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 yeah that's, that's the Tom Hardy I'm, I'm thinking of like where he's like super beefed up and, and, you know, not really particularly pretty like he's been in other mm -hmm. movies. I, I I think he could do it. I, I, I think he could. And um, the other one, oh, uh, the other one, the backup I had was Eric Bana. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is, uh, I think, a little too believable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, How about you, Megan? Mine was actually I just sort of wanted to stick with Batista. I'm just really interested. Yeah, to see no, what Batista's, he'll do. Batista's great. He's a great. He's a great pick for it. He's it is. It pick. is. 
inspired casting, I think. Okay, so moving on. Uh, Fade, my pick for him is I'm going to go with another CW actor, Richard Harmon, who played John Murphy on The 100 and some others. I believe he was on maybe on Veronica Mars, but he's just this like very kind of high cheekbone sort of just very he's got like he's just exudes attitude and i feel like he'd be really good in that role and he's about the same age as you know he he's looks like a a teen Megan, you want to go first or should i take this one um so mine was another messing with the time space continuum and Mm -hmm. i wanted young christopher walken Oh, yeah. Because then also with the dancing, there's, you know, the movement okay. is there. Okay, okay, okay. The fighting. I see it, I see it. And the eyes. <laughs> my uh, my pick would be Jonathan Reese myers Oh. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, he's he's too, he's too old for it now. Um, yeah. I mean, assuming that they're going to, you know, age down his character mm-hmm. along with, I mean, it's not aging down from the book. He's supposed to be a teenager, too. But, I yeah. mean, it would be pretty weird to see, you know, Timothy Chalamet, like, you know, life fighting at the end with a 45-year-old actor. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of- I mean, it, it's it's more it, it makes more of an impact when it's you know a, you know another basically another kid like him now of course yeah you know, like I said Jonathan Reese Myers is, is now in his forties I believe but if you mm-hmm. take him from like Velvet Goldmine era yeah, which, yeah. You know, no that's what we're doing when he, was, he played Elvis that time <laughs> when he was possibly at his prettiest then yeah. but also yeah. kind of seem sort of shitty and evil at the same time yes <laughs> then, yeah. right that yeah that that's what i'm picturing if not him then um dane dehan oh yeah, oh, yeah. He, he's that's he a might, good one he, he might be a, a little slight physically for the role but but you know i think with costuming and you know a couple hours mm-hmm. in the gym per day yeah he probably be up to the task yeah totally now of course um, you'd have now of course you'd have to buy Dane DeHaan and Dave Bautista as brothers. But <laughs> well, yeah, and Vincent D'Onofrio right. as their uncle. Yeah, anything is possible <laughs> in outer space. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, they are all, you know, products of selective breeding. So <laughs> do you, are you? Do you find it curious that he's like the only character that they haven't announced casting of yet? And I and I and I, and I wonder why. I, I wonder if that's like the one they know everybody's going to be waiting on, or or they like, also have just... a Duncan Idaho. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, Duncan's really the important one to me. Yeah, more so than Fade. Hmm. He's probably just... the one who's going to get all the fan fiction. Which is crazy because, like, Duncan is not, is barely in the first book. And, you know, anyway, um, gonna move on. So, my pick for Stilgar is pretty basic. Um, I don't want to say that. My pick for Stilgar is Sterling K. Brown. Okay. Yeah, I think he'd be great. Uh, mine is, it's, I'm gonna butcher this, but it's an actor named Halit. Ergenk, who is a Turkish actor that I know from a Ooh. Turkish soap opera called Magnificent Ooh. Century, where he played a sultan. Uh, but he's also like, you know, really handsome and looks good with a beard. And he, mm. you know, portrays leadership very well. So Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go the the not necessarily handsome route and go with Clancy Brown. Oh God, I love Clancy Brown yeah. so much. Yeah, right. he, he just always no matter what he does he always seems capable yeah so. he's so good 
Yeah. Um. So my pick for Elliot is uh, John Cho. Oh, I didn't pick Elliot. Oops. No, it's all right. There's going to be some gaps we knew. I'll put Sterling yeah, Brown think... for that one. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that sounds good to me. <laughs> okay. Um, my pick for Cheney was uh, Laura Condor, who we saw as Laura Jean on To All the Boys I've Loved Before. I don't know. I just really okay. like her, and I think she could probably do dramatic acting just as well as she did sort of the coming-of-age rom-com. Uh, mine was uh, Ruth Nega. Oh, God, I love her. Yeah. So uh, much. I would say Tessa Thompson. Okay. Yep. I kept I kept them, like, I kept her pretty young, I guess. Like, I'm always I'm, thinking well, yeah, I'm the same age as Paul. When yeah, I say this, I'm, I'm assuming yeah. it's like, you know, Ruth, Ruth Nega when she was on Misfits, you know. Okay. Oh, gosh. She was so good. Okay. I'm just <laughs> skip. Don't get me started talking about Misfits. We'll be here all night. Okay. Um. For the Emperor, I picked the actor if Irfan Khan, who, if you saw, um, he's in so many things. Like, he was the uh, father in the movie adaptation of The Namesake. That might be, like, the most accessible reference I can make about him. But I, I think that he would be great in that. And it would be great to see an actual, like, Middle Eastern slash South Asian character in that mm -hmm. role. I did not have an Emperor. Um, I was thinking Ben Kingsley. Yeah, he'd be yeah. good. Oh, he'd be good. I mean, it's Ben Kingsley. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really actually kind of excited. Uh, so far, I'm just gonna skip through it real quick. Like Irulan, I picked Keisha Castle Hughes, who um, oh yeah, the whale rider, or you might know her from Game of Thrones, where she played one of the sand snakes. She was Mary. And that nativity mm -hmm. movie with Oscar Isaac. That is true. That yes, is true. that's right. But Oscar Isaac, please, Joseph. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is the weirdest thing I could possibly think of. <laughs> and I think was was that the movie where she she was in the and she got pregnant? She was like fourteen or something like that. Yeah, she was fifteen. She and, was very young. And yeah. then she like retired from show business after that for a while. For a while, yeah. 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 Oh, I think I had uh, um, Tandy Newton for that. Oh, oh, I love her. Yeah. You know how I feel about Tandy Doom. <laughs> yes. Why don't people think Beloved is more of a scary movie than it is? Like, why is it, it considered is, like a it, horror movie? It's just a difficult movie. It's not yeah. a scary. Well, I, I said scary. scary. I shouldn't say difficult. scary. But I, I, would, I would argue for it as a horror movie. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. not just, you know, a drama. Mm -hmm. People just don't want to call things horror. Did you pick an Everland? I did not. Oh, okay. So my, I'm really excited about my pick for Reverend Mother and reading this chapter, I realize it is not reflect nicely on this actress because they, you know, it's all like, she's an old crone. Yeah. <laughs> she has an old crone face and this actress does, is not a crone and does not have an, a crone face. But um, my pick for the Reverend Mother would be Viola Davis. Oh, yeah. that's a good one. I think she is so freaking intense and just she... She is so good. I I really think she would be the best. Yeah, no, I, I like that. That's yeah. uh, that's way more inspired than my pick. I I kind of went with someone I thought was would be a little obvious for that kind of role, and I said Glenn Close. Oh, she'd be great too. Yeah, no, she would be great. Love my Glenn Close. I said 
Isabella Rossellini. Oh yeah, that's a good pick too. Dang, she'd be a very <laughs> she'd be a very ethereal Reverend Mother. Yes, yes, yeah, she would. But I feel like she could do that. She could be very secretive. You know? mm-hmm. Okay, so just the last like chunk of characters for Gurney Halleck, I pick Keanu Reeves. Interesting. I was just really like struggling, and I ended up <laughs> googling like. I felt like it should be someone that is both like capable of being a great action star and a musician. So I was looking okay, up yeah. musician actors and Keanu Reeves was listed. I was like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not have, I left that slot empty, unfortunately. I could not That's think okay. of anyone that I felt just right for it. I mean, it's really hard to fill Patrick Stewart's shoes. Let's not, <laughs> let's not kid ourselves. Yes. Um, Ron Perlman. <laughs> Oh God, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Ron Perlman needs to have a part in the in the new movie, just somewhere. Just just put yeah. him in somewhere. Yeah, I mean, he should be in everything. I love him. He'd be mm-hmm. he'd be, you know what he'd be a good he'd be a good uh, um, Baron. Yeah, oh, he would. Yeah. I can see that. <laughs> okay, um, my next is Thufir, mm-hmm. and I chose Keith David. Okay. For the Master of Assassins. I did, and I swear this is not any sort of, like, sucking up whatsoever, (laughs) Michael Stuhlbarg. (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) Because I was, like, picturing him on Boardwalk Empire. Yes. And it's like, well, he could definitely do the, like, kind of, you know, manipulative, like, on top of everything. But mask it with, hey, hey, Paul, how you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have an answer for that one, but you know I love that answer, so That's a I, good I, one. I, I'm I'm co-signing that one. Okay, just three more, and I'm gonna save Duncan for last. Okay. Uh, okay, so my pick for Peter, Peter, would be Andy Circus. Oh yeah, he is sort of the now Brad Dourif. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Yeah, he's Dourif s. <laughs> yeah. I feel like either yeah. him or Doug Jones would be good. Yeah, you know, I actually had Brad Dorf, but I'm like, this is a Brad Dorf role. That's too easy. <laughs> yeah, no, I also just put Brad Dorf. I was like, ah. <laughs> I it's, mean, it's, he plays it, it, yeah, it, it's Grim- so well. Yeah, it's Grim- It's you know, I mean, yeah, he you know he's playing Grimma Wormtongue again, just you know, ten thousand yeah. years into the future. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, my pick for Doctor Yui is Alessandro Giuliani. Who, you know, Gata. you might know from Battlestar. Yes, Gata from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, I feel like he would be really great. Uh, my pick for UA was uh, Andre Holland, uh, who was on American Horror oh. Story, Roanoke, and uh, yeah. Castle Rock. Yeah, yes. I like. I like I can that. totally I... see him. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do spoilers, but I could see him like crying about his wife. <laughs> I feel like I've seen him cry a lot on his camera. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, he'd be really like touching and emotional about it. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna steal that answer again. That's a good one. <laughs> I I've kind of like had a question mark. I'm like, I don't know this. I mean, I don't I don't know what to pick one. That's a good one though. I, I'm liking that we're going with this like multicultural cast. That's really that yeah. that's good. Um. Okay. So who is left now? Okay. So the only person left is Duncan Idaho. Um, okay, my pick. I know last episode I said Diego Luna, but I'm changing my answer and I'm going with Riz Ahmed. Oh, that's good. 
That is a that that is a good, a good one. That is a face I want to see for thousands of years. <laughs> <laughs> I went. I had that actually. I had had that blank, but then I stole inspiration from Gina, and I want to go <laughs> with Lady Hawk era Rucker Hauer. Oh, because if nothing else, he could use a sword. Yeah. Um, I Beth, I know how you feel about Game of Thrones, and 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 I hate to 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 dip into that well, but but I got oh, it's okay. I gotta it's go. Un- it's unavoidable. I gotta go with Pedro Pascal. Oh, oh yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah, though. that's good. That's though. a really good choice. Like, oh, uh, he was sort of the I last pretty much shining light on that, that he's in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's why I hope Michael. I hope that answers your question. Yeah. That is our dream cast <laughs> and a damn good one too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would see I'm... that movie several times. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, we'll actually maybe I'll make some um, like grids, some collages, and put them up on our yeah. website and or our Twitter account, and people can look and see who we picked. That that would be kind of fun, I think. Yeah, and yeah. they'll totally yeah. agree with everything that we picked because why would they not? <laughs> right. These are brilliant choices. <laughs> uh, so just to wrap things up. I want to say don't forget to follow us on Twitter at WeirdingPod. Send your questions and comments to WeirdingPodcast at gmail.com. Rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that we want to see your sweet, sweet copies of Dune under the hashtag SendDunes. We will give our favorite a shout out on the show. (laughs) The more battered, the better. I, I I won't I won't I won't uh, try because I'm reading mine on a Kindle. It's not the That's same. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. The important thing is that it's a Dune. Yes. Yeah. It is a Dune. So Gina, would you? Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Do you have anything people should know about? I am the co-host of the Kill by Kill podcast, in which we talk about horror movies according to the characters. As of this recording, we just wrapped up um, the first Nightmare on Elm Street, and then we're going to be getting into Freddy's Revenge, so you can look for that just under Kill by Kill. I also am a writer for The Spool. I do um, movie and television reviews, and I post my own writing at my own website at GinaRadcliffe.com. Yay! <laughs> Yay! So everybody, everybody, please go check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, this fool, also formerly known as Alcoholywood, for some that might not be in the know, but they have rebranded as the Spool, and uh, there's some really great content over there. Yeah, yeah, there is. Megan, did you have anything apart from this that you wanted to plug? Uh, I don't have anything super recent, but I recap VC Andrews novels at Trapped in the Attic dot wordpress.com if you are curious at all about what all of those books are about you can get a little a little taste of it uh there and you can also follow me on twitter at mp sunday where i talk a lot about 80s music that i'm listening to <laughs> we talk a lot about stevie nicks it, we yes. should just be upfront about that yeah. now you're probably going to hear a lot about fleawood mac on this show i'm not gonna apologize for that no no never <laughs> and you can find me my books if you're interested in that sort of thing bonorthrights.com i've also got um another podcast that i do with my good friend sammy c where we 
watch modern adaptations of classic films and we just did throne of blood so we just did kurosawa but i think we're jumping into uh <laughs> our next movie is called a midsummer night's rave so <laughs> hi highbrow to lowbrow you know we'll see <laughs> um so that's us um Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Gina. It was great to have uh, you yes. on our first episode. Oh, this is so much fun. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye. I don't know why I said take care. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes. All episodes available for download on our website, weirdingpodcast.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at WeirdingPod. Our logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit joshhollis.com to see more. Our podcast theme is by Bathhouse. Hear more of their music over at musicvine.com. Oh yeah, the there were some choices that were made that were just weird. Because they also gave them that like whatever Kool Aid they're drinking, so they mm -hmm. all have like Kool Aid mouth. Kool Aid mouth. You've got fruit punch mouth. Got yeah. Fruit punch mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to talk about Buffy. Back to Buffy. Yeah, I'm sorry.